podcasting the untold stories of leaders. This is Leader Spotlight, the podcast where we highlight company culture innovators facilitating the future of work. I'm your host, Annette Klosowski, executive coach, entrepreneur, crazy dog person, and health and fitness junkie. I'm Annette Klozowski, your host, and I'm very excited to be with you today and share the work of Eddie Turner. He has done a lot of different things in his lifespan, but today we're going to be talking about the emotionally effective leader. And what I love about his work is he's all about accelerating performance and driving impact. And I think we're in a time where that's really important. But before we get to Eddie, hello, Miss Annie Brown, my co-host. Hey there. Annie is a blogger. She is a creative genius. She's a nerd at heart. So she does find (laughs) all kinds of technology gadgets and tools for us to play with. So that's great. And then she's my translator. But how are you today, Annie? (laughs) I'm very good. I'm I'm very excited uh, to talk with Eddie and and learn more about his book and the work he's been doing. And I also want to say... that we've really appreciated everybody's reviews that they've been putting in. Uh, you know, it just helps us keep making podcasts. So uh, it's a small thing, but if you have time, wherever you're listening, go ahead and, and leave us a review. We very much appreciate it. Yes, yes, love the reviews. Well, let's jump right in. Um, our leader spotlight today is Eddie Turner. He has worked with um, some of the biggest clients, then you guys will know all of them, Apple, Dell, Accenture, Deloitte, ExxonMobil, GE. I don't know that I need to even say any more. He has a book that just hit two weeks ago, 140 Simple Messages to Guide Emerging Leaders. He has another book coming out in the spring. He is speaking all over, and we are just blessed to have him with us today. So, Eddie, welcome. Well, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. You're welcome. I was, uh, I'm always happy and um, kind of amazed when paths cross and, you know, we find somebody like you. And so I'm very excited to talk with you today about emotional intelligence and really kind of where that comes into play in leadership. So tell me kind of when, you know, I guess the kind of your development as a leader, when did you know that, wow, that might be something I need to to read about, or I might need to have that experience in my backpack. Well, I believe that I always sensed that there was something that separated good leaders from great leaders. I didn't know how to put it in words, but it seemed to me that those that had empathy, those that had fellow feeling for another human being, as opposed to just being a a bit more rigid and more concerned about performance, intelligence, seem to do a little bit better because they seem to have a a natural following, if you will, of people. People wanted to follow them. They wanted to do what they said without them even being around. I didn't have a language for it, but it just seemed from my observation of leaders that that was uh, a clear differentiator. And around 2008, I had returned to school. I was a IT professional for most of my career. I returned to school to get a degree at Northwestern University. And for the first time, I was introduced to, to the work of Daniel Goldman around emotional intelligence. And so this phrase, this word, 
And it, I went, wow, this is what it is. This is the secret that I didn't have a language for, that I couldn't explain, but I just noticed that it separated uh, good leaders from great leaders. Yeah, I love his work. Yeah, that was, I think, probably about the same time I was in California and came across the EQ 2.0 book in that group and um, really started to explore. So so tell us what we're, today we're really talking about emerging leaders. So um, that's the thing with you. It's hard to narrow down. You're, you have this expertise in so many areas, but today we're really going to focus on the emerging leaders. So start with just kind of defining what you mean by emerging leader. When I decided to write my book, I took a survey of people and I would ask, what is an emerging leader? Everyone had a different response. The most popular, of course, was the idea that inside of an organization, you have what uh, my HR friends affectionately call hypos, those with high potential. And so there is a class of workers who you see, they are clearly on a trajectory to go far in the organization. These are people who we want to invest a little bit more money into to ensure that they not only stay with their organization, but we strategically place them in future leadership roles of higher responsibility. But I thought, well, that simply can't just be all that we need to target when we're talking about emerging leaders. And I learned that also because of what different responses I received. So there were others who said, well, it's anyone who's early in their career. Others said it's those just coming out of college. But I identified there are some other groups to be concerned with. For example, there's the stay-at-home dad or the stay-at-home mom who now that the child has reached a certain age and re-enters school, uh, that parent is ready to re-enter the workforce. Well, they are now an emerging leader because they have to emerge in a new way, applying the same great skills they may have had before they left the workforce to now come back in. Also, there are those who are displaced as a result of technology. So they have to learn new skills. They have valuable work experience, but they have to learn a new role. Then there are those who uh, have already been successful as a leader, but now they take on a new role altogether. They've proven expertise, but now because of a promotion, one person, a person can't feel like uh, once successful, you're always successful. So now you become an emerging leader in a new way. And then there are still those who are at the highest levels of an organization, CEOs, C-level executives. Uh, we know that the tenure is typically around two to five years. At some point, that C-level person takes another role at another organization. And so even if you're at the top of the organization, you must continue to emerge as a leader. Yeah, I, I really think that's the most important transition and transformation in leadership. Um, I know that when you're younger and you're climbing the ladder or re-entering, I mean, those are all really important too. So I love that you cover that. But I think that seasoned executive, um, I've been there, you know, sometimes you get lazy in your leadership or you get that mentality of, um, you know, this has already worked for me. Um, And I think we become less connected to that empathy and, you know, that these are people and you sometimes get caught up in that 
uh, cog in the machine of what you're producing. So, so I love, I love that on all fronts. I do. So I have a question. Do you, do you feel that leaders are born or do you truly believe they're developed or is there, is it someplace in the middle? Nature versus nurture, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, I think like most people uh, growing up, you probably always believe that this is just that sixth sense that a person is born with. You know, but through my studies at the time at Northwestern University, in fact, my degree was in leadership and organizational behavior. So that's when I was first exposed to the idea that no, uh, leadership is a skill. And because it is a skill, it is absolutely something that can be learned. And in fact, uh, the idea that uh, what leadership even is, is very different uh, depending on who you're talking to. And my uh, keynote speech that I deliver, I always have fun uh, fleshing this out because you have people that come in from different backgrounds and everybody sees it differently. Uh, so depending on a person's context, their background, their upbringing, the type of corporations they've worked for or nonprofit or religious upbringing, everyone has a different perception of what leadership looks like. But absolutely, uh, the, the, the leadership is a skill and we can all learn it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. So I, I'm in this field as well. So I've done a lot of uh, executive coaching and leadership development. And I think sometimes, and I've been an executive, so I think sometimes the hardest thing to do is get the, the budgets approved to really invest in people and really develop leaders. Um, I think what I have found is most people, or very rarely, let's say, did I get a call that just says, hey, you know, I really want to do this right, and I'm going to start with leadership development, and you know, I'm going to take care of my people. It's usually you're called in when there's a pain or something not going well, um, or you do a culture survey, and, and then they go, oh, we got a people problem. So talk a little bit about why we should really care about developing our leaders. You're absolutely right. Uh, there's always, uh, I, I liken it to our, our automobiles. Uh, there's something uh, interesting about uh, the maintenance light that comes on. Uh, that maintenance light indicates that there's time for us to uh, change our oil or change the wiper blades, rotate the tires, just maintenance to keep the car running smoothly. And certainly we could ignore it and say, I don't have time for this. I did uh, have a dear friend who did just that, always too busy, couldn't get the car to the shop. Well, you either make time to do regular routine maintenance or as in his case, the engine locked up. You have to then make time to get the car repaired or replaced altogether. And so that's the same way it is in organizations. At times, the cost of leader development is something that many organizations are not comfortable with. It costs money to develop our people. But at the same time, most HR departments always say our most valuable asset is our people. Yes. Or we'd rather buy machinery. We'd rather buy technology than invest in our people. And yeah, so don't you think, I mean, we, we have so much technology and I know people talk about this digital transformation and how jobs are going away. But man, that makes people even more important. You know, if we're going to have less people and more technology than organizations, the people they have are going to be a lot more important. They will. 
And uh, this, uh, I paused because I was just thinking about some work I just saw, uh, research I just saw about artificial intelligence. And so uh, even when we look at areas of artificial intelligence, you know, in, in the coaching space, we, we, we thought for a while, well, surely we won't be replaced by a machine. Machine can't do what we do. And then we saw, of course, the, uh, the, the artificial intelligence uh, design robot that's now giving keynote speeches and just receiving an award, received citizenship in Dubai not long ago. So yeah. I say that to say that certainly technology uh, does change the demands of what is in, in required in, in the workforce. And in some ways, it can be argued that, yes, people are required even more so. But depending on the technology that we're looking at, the way it's automating things, in fact, some of my uh, physician friends are talking about how uh, they are being replaced in some ways as a result of this. So I'd say at the end of the day, the thing about coaching that is unique, and not that it's not affecting our industry as well, is that as you have fewer people doing what more did in the past, those fewer people will still need development. They will still need one-on-one -on -one attention that uh, a, a, an executive coach or a leadership coach brings. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, tell us, just give us a little bit of insight into your book. So what, what would you say are one or two key things you talk about in the book? So this book, 140 Simple Messages to Guide Emerging Leaders, is entitled that because it is based off Twitter. 140 characters was the original limitation. That's now changed to 280, but I still kept it at the 140. So the idea is each of these is designed to be activated on social media. These are things that I say the most often in a coaching session one-on-one, -on -one, in my speeches, or just in day-to-day -day conversation, pithy statements that I make all the time that I have lived by and that I think make a difference in the lives of my listeners and, and my clients. And so I put these together so that people can read them in one place, but then also people are able to share the messages themselves. And then I've begun activating them across social media, not just as posts, but in bringing to life different people who I'm quoting uh, by doing interviews with them so that people can hear a, a quick three-minute summary of why that quote is in the book. And at the end of the book, I also give my view on coaching and why it matters to emerging leaders. And I define, as uh, I mentioned earlier in the questioning, uh, what my view of what, what an emerging leader is and what it takes to help them. I love that. Okay. So you are called the leadership accelerator. So talk a little bit about that. I love that, by the way. Thank you. So I wanted to identify, you know, who am I? What is my title? And for a long time, I would say executive coach, a facilitator, a speaker. But at the end of the day, I help people and I do it in three primary ways. But it, I help people become leaders and I help them accelerate their performance and drive impact. And at the same time, I'm helping you go faster, much like a plane, I'm helping you get lift off and go higher. So the leadership accelerator was a play on the words, uh, accelerate and excel. Oh, okay. I love that. I love that. So, okay. So tell um, everybody how they can find your work. You know, you have a website, where can they find your books? And then I would love a little sneak peek into your next book coming out in the spring. I am uh, across all the social media channels as Eddie Turner and some of them, Eddie Turner Jr. The book is available on Amazon 
and it's sold at the Barnes Nobles here in Houston. <laughs> but uh, that on Amazon.com as a ebook, as a Kindle, as, as which hit number twenty six under business coaching and mentoring category. So I was excited for that and stayed at the top 100 for about 10 days. And there's a hard copy and a soft copy. And by the end of next month, uh, we will have it on Audible as well. Oh, great. Then I love Audible. Was, <laughs> yes, it's very popular for folks yeah. driving. I know. That, that's actually what I, I listen to it, either if I'm working out or if I'm traveling. So. All right. So you have a new book coming out. So tell us a little bit about that, if you can. So the first book was designed to be a quick, easy to read book for almost anyone to get through in 15 minutes or less. The second book that's coming out in the spring of April, uh, spring of uh, 2019, is entitled Facilitated Collaboration, How to Facilitate, Lead, and Influence and Change Everything. This book is designed to show people it's a how-to. So it's more of a traditional book, unlike my first book. And this one's going to do a deep dive into what is facilitation. And I explain the power of facilitation because collaboration is a buzzword in corporations today. Everybody's talking about collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. But I believe you cannot leave it to happenstance. It must be facilitated. And I talk about work that I've done even at the C level in some of the best corporations facilitating collaboration and its outcome. And the secret of leadership, in my opinion, is that you have to be a facilitative leader. And the facilitative leader is really the person who has control and gets access to places they would normally not go anyplace else. And that's where I really break down the difference between leadership and influence, because and this has become a very common thought now, but I studied this under uh, Professor Ronald Heifetz at, Heifetz at Harvard University, the idea of being a leader without having a title. And I stress very strongly in this book that if you learn how to facilitate, no matter what title you have in the organization, you can make it to the top. Yeah, I love that. I really love that. Well, good. Well, one thing, um, and maybe this is bringing you back for a whole other topic, but what do you see with, uh, we get a lot of interest around millennials and, um, you know, how to, how to lead, how to work with, um, where do you place millennials and maybe their strengths or, um, you know, do you feel like they, they are, um, not necessarily assimilating into culture, but do you really think that they are going to um, really be strong leaders in the future for us in organizations? Well, my good friend, Anna Lauda, is the expert on generations. And so what she always says is there, for the first time ever, we have five generations working in the, in the workforce. And so that definitely has changed the dynamics. And so I'm very excited about the unique opportunity I have at Rice University, uh, which is the only big university, quite frankly, the only university that's offering coaching to every single young person on campus. So not everybody does MBAs, but this is the only university that's saying to freshmen, you can have your own personal leadership coach. And so I've been participating in that. So to coach a person who's 18, 19, 20 years old, and of course I do do PhD students and others and the D1 athletes. But when you're working with an 18 year old, that, that millennial group you're asking me about, uh -huh. uh, I have a chance to bend the arc early. 
when I go in as an executive coach, I'm working with folks that have a lot of bad habits I have to help them undo. But with these folks, we can bend the arc early and put them on the right trajectory to start with and really make a difference. And so I'm excited about that. And so I say that to say that if we can really invest in our young people and not wait wait until they're older, uh, by showing them the power of coaching and then, of course, supporting them in a way to where they can now make their own uh, judgments under the uh, under the, the tools that they would have learned through a coaching engagement, it will make such a difference for our millennials. Yeah, I, th- I think too, they are natural collaborators and um, they're used to working with tools that um, really are efficient and effective in that way. So um, yeah, I'm excited to read your next book and Uh, We may bring you back on and uh, have you talk about it when it launches. Well, thank you. That would be nice. Yeah. Well, we end every show with who's your four. So I know you've heard that. um, Show me who your closest friends and colleagues are and I'll show you your future. And so we're going to ask you, who's your four? Who are my four? Well, I have to say my mom, my wife, a man named Bob Dean, and I would say Sylvie DeGiusto. Oh, okay. So tell me a little bit about them and why you have chosen them. So I think everybody thinks their mom is pretty special, but I think that my mom is really somebody that uh, I always say she, that they broke the mold when they made my mom. Uh, as a single mom who raised us and she went through a lot, uh, she... Um, just her her spirit, her per, the person she is, the example she set, uh, really has made me who I am today and has always been there no matter what. So her example, uh, in so many ways, her upbringing, her guidance, her wisdom has made me the man that I am. And she is my, uh, she's my rock. My wife, her support. And she is just an amazing woman who's brilliant in so many ways. Uh, quite frankly, just anybody who could put up with me is special, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard the pay's not so good. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> so but she's my best friend. And so, uh, again, with her support, I'm able to accomplish the things that I do. I'd say Bob Dean because Bob Dean is the person who took me under his wing when I was an IT person. And he is the reason I ended up becoming what I've become uh, in, in the second half of my career, if you will. He's the person that helped me to see that I could uh, leave IT, and he taught me the business of learning and talent development, which later on led to me becoming a coach. And his wisdom, his business business experience, and he, he and I are, are the reason the term facilitated collaboration exists, the partnership that we created, the collaboration that it took off, and also talking about a difference in generations. He, he's a man that's 20 years my senior, 20 years my senior, and that's part of his, that, that story will be explored in a new book because of what that allowed us to unleash and then coming from different backgrounds, different races, uh, what, what, we, what we accomplished really, we believe, is a model for other folks to follow. And then finally, Sylvie DiGiusto. She speaks seven languages. She's from German by birth, American by choice, as she says. And uh, she's just, she's come to this country and her work ethic, 
it's just unbelievable. I say, I don't know how she gets it all done. She's got a family. She's got uh, the amazing children and husband. And But I just look at what she's accomplished and uh, the, her work. And in terms of a speaker, uh, she's a fellow speaker, and she's the president of our chapter in New York City. I, I just look at her in awe and amazement, and I uh, just just crazy about her and, and pattern myself after her in so many ways. That's great. That's great. I know. So every I'm, I'm I guess I'm not shocked, but every time we ask that question, you really think you're going to hear you know these people that um, you know no one really knows, and they're these big influencers, uh, content or speakers, or you know everybody knows, and it's really those people that invested in you when you were young, when you were down, you know, always believed you. It's, it's, it's really that list that we get. And I just love that. And I love to be able to, to kind of give energy and honor that for people, because um, we always say this podcast is really kind of the, the life behind the leader. And you get to see a little bit more um, into the leader and leaders always have great stories. So we really appreciate you coming and sharing your story. Thank you. It's been a joy to talk with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leaders Spotlight. Make sure to visit our website, AnnetteKlazowski.com forward slash Leaders Spotlight, where you can find resources mentioned on this show, as well as past episodes. Check for new episodes of Leaders Spotlight every Friday, or better yet, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leaders Spotlight.